You know, there's, there's an element of trusted leadership that talks about how you need to have the ability to um, be in touch with the undercurrents of the organization. And if you're not intentional about this, you can get blindsided so quickly. It's amazing how many leaders don't really know the conversations that are going on amongst yeah. their employees. And you know, to have that, what's called situational awareness of the needs of employees. Leaders, we have to do intentional work on that. You've got to maybe plant some moles. I have a receptionist out at the front desk and literally part of her job, and she knows it, is to listen to the gossip. And she's not being a tattletale. It's more, make sure I'm aware yeah. if something's going on, you know, there's parking lot conversations going on that really need to be, you know, something needs to be addressed. People will often complain and complain about something, but not enter the formal channels to get it fixed. Yeah. And so leaders, we have got to have intentional ways to make sure we're staying in touch with, with people. What will you do to unlock innovation? In today's fast-paced world, innovation might not be enough. Tomorrow's pioneers of change will need to be agile, able to adapt, and committed like never before. Your host, Santa Vending, invites you to listen in and join business leaders from around the world as they share their visions for success in our future business challenges. Welcome to Mind Innovation. I'm your host, Santa Vending, and I'm always excited to learn. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about how a higher level of trust between leaders and employees increase innovation and growth. I want to welcome Dr. Toby Travis. He's the founder of Trust Ed, a framework for school improvement focusing on developing trusted leaders. In addition, he's an executive consulting with the Global School Consulting Group, and he's also an adjunct professor at the International Graduate Program for Educators for the State University of New York College at Buffalo. Toby, welcome. I know hey. we've scheduled this forever, and now we're finally- yes, I know, it's taken us a while, but thank yeah. you for your persistence and looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, oh, me too, me too. So let's jump in, right? So, you know, it's, I know it's like we could be the mothership of the question here, but, you know, how, how does the trust level of leaders, how does that result in higher levels of, of performance? Well, and, and it, it results, uh, how does it do it? Um, well, let, let's- start with the data. I'm a bit of a data geek, right? So yeah. when we look at what is the number one indicator of school success, and this transitions over into the business research as well, um, but my field is mostly looking at the, the education sector. The number one indicator of school success is trusted leadership. So, it, and what's really interesting about that research is it doesn't seem to matter how you define school success. So, for example, if we define success as student achievement levels, in the schools where we see the highest levels of student achievement, we also see the highest levels of trust and leadership. Uh, look at retention rates, and here where this becomes really uh, a connector to er every industry. Where are the <laughs> highest levels of employee retention? And what we're most concerned about here is retention of quality employees who are totally bought in to the vision and mission of the organization, um, because sometimes turnaround can be really good. Right, so turnover isn't necessarily a bad thing. So the kind of retention we're concerned about is: are we returning? Are we retaining rather the right employees? What's the number one indicator of that success? Trusted leadership, innovation. Here, this has again broad application, not just in the education sector. Where do we see um, the schools or organizations or, or, or businesses where you have the highest levels of innovation? 
trusted leadership. And when we talk about the how, it's yeah. because in a trusted environment, you are empowered and, ex- and, and, and it's okay to fail. You know, it's, I'm going to engage. I'm going to push the envelope a little bit because I know my boss has got my back. Yeah. And that's why trust is so important to whatever it is we're trying to accomplish or produce through, you know, through human relationships. And we talked just for the show, it's about relationships. Yeah. When you are working in a trusted environment, it's, it's like everything gets better. Yeah. So how do you how do you get started again, right? Because if you come in to a new organization, or there's there's the people who've been there for many many years, right? Um, and then you have like new employees. How do you gather? Or how do you get like that team to to trust each other? What what does it take? Well, again, I, I always I start with the data. So uh, let's assess it. And this is part of what I talk about in my book and, and the work that I do with schools and organizations, just figuring out well, how do you do that? How do you assess yeah. trust levels? It's, you know, it seems nebulous. It seems like it's just uh, very hard to capture, but actually it's not. And, and we, you start by assessing the trust level. Uh, where is that at currently in the organization? Now, there is a kind of a common courtesy as a, as people, we, we kind of just extend trust until it's broken, but it's not a deep level of trust. And in fact, there are those who argue in contemporary culture, it's largely a cynical culture. We don't trust anybody. Uh, uh, so there's a, there's a, um, a barometer that is published every year um, by, um, uh, oh, I'm going to blank on their names. Um, large uh, PR firm. It'll come to me in a moment. Okay, uh, okay. I mean, they're, they're huge. And, uh, but they, they publish this, this trust barometer. And they have been saying for years um, that we are in a trust crisis. Nobody trusts oh. anybody. Yeah. So we've got, whether we're talking government, business, you know, <laughs> schools, everywhere, uh, yeah. we are in a, in a trust crisis. So you really have to be intentional about, about building it. So the, the purpose of the assessment is speed of trust. And of course, Covey talks a lot about um, you know, the speed of trust. Well, what makes it faster? You got to know what to work on. And that's why, again, I'm a bit of a data hound. It's like, well, let's let the data inform us where our trust levels are weak. In my work and research, we, we, we've talked about there are six major components of trust. So we assess these six components to see where are we at, where do we need to develop, and then uh, and then get intentional about it. Don't just hope it's going to happen. Yeah. No, no, no. So uh, back to the, you know, don't trust anybody. I think when you're driving your car, right, that's where you yeah. don't trust. But let's start trusting in, in, the, in the different companies, organizations. Yeah. Um, I've seen companies doing, you know, this employee engagement, how they do like surveys. Um, yeah. And that's different ways of doing, right? And then they're like, oh, yeah, right. We're getting like a happy reply here, right? Everything is good. But are you really getting the answer when you're doing yeah. some of yeah. these surveys? One of the biggest mistakes that companies make or schools make is relying on tools like a Google survey or SurveyMonkey. And, I'm, and those are marvelous tools. If you're surveying everybody to see what do you want to order for lunch? Yeah. You know, you want chicken or you want beef, you know, to get that kind of data. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one of the biggest mistakes that companies make in this area is they're not using professional tools that are research-based. And so they'll say, well, we surveyed our employees. I'll say, well, yeah, what questions did you ask? Yeah. Who framed the questions? How were they framed? On what research were those questions framed? Are yeah. you asking the right questions? And are you asking them in the right way to get the answer you want? And is it guaranteed secure? In other words, 
uh, employees need to know there is no way you can track my response to my name. And unless those things are in place, those survey tools are really kind of a waste of time and actually can mislead an organization to make inappropriate steps. So um, I'm, you know, I'm always going to champion, no, you're going to use a professional survey company. You're going to spend the money because yeah, yeah. you want real data. Uh, just pushing out a survey through something that you or your secretary created, I'm sorry, that's not going to get your real data. And I don't mean to be offensive. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be just very, very honest. You're fooling yourself if you think... Yeah. Anybody can be a, a survey expert. You can't. And this is why we rely on professional companies to do this. Yeah. So what if we had all that in place, right? That you're doing it the professional way. Um, what, what kind of questions will you recommend that you should, you should, you should ask? Well, again, you, you have to, this is where you have to dig in almost to um, the, uh, well, some of it is very general. So there are, again, as I mentioned, there are six components of trusted leadership that we know and, and what that looks like. And yeah. so, for example, in my book, uh, The Bridge to School Improvement, I use this analogy of how you construct a trusted bridge. Well, first, there's, a, there's the foundation of trusted leadership. And what we're talking about there is all about beliefs and values. So questions will be focused on, you know, does this leader articulate you know, his beliefs about the organization, about, you know, our, our basically who we are, what we do, and why and how we do it. And then you look at the substructure of, of trust, which is all about connecting and supporting everything we do to our beliefs and values. So basically, this is who we say we are, but is that actually being lived out in our leadership practice, in our policies, in our operations as an organization. So that's what those questions, and, and again, and there's there's other components to it, but this idea of uh, we will ask questions related to what the research has told us and shows us, now this is what trusted leadership looks like. Yeah, okay. Um Let's, let's talk about skill set as well, because when you have an organization and you talk about... you. I, Soft skill, hard skills. Um, and some has a difficult to say, you know, where is communication? Um, where, where, where does that fit in? So what's, oh, yeah, what do you yeah, think? It's a big part. Uh, again, in my bridge analogy, I, I talk about the deck of the bridge. It should look simple. Right? Yeah. Sure. Very clear lanes. We know where we're going. We're here. We're going over there. This is my lane. Those are all communication elements. There's clear signs of, you know, uh, and, and, If you talk to a structural engineer, he'll tell you, actually, the deck of the bridge is very complex, but it shouldn't look or feel complex. You know, yeah. it should be really, really simple. So, yeah, communication is one of those, you know, we call it a soft skill. It's really a power skill. It's a life skill. Yeah. Uh, that is really, really important for leaders. You know, uh, it's been said, I think it was a Maxwell quote, you know, that uh, leaders take the complex and make it simple to understand. And, and that, that is really, really critical. Yeah, yeah. So how do you encourage uh, working with organizations or, you, you know, how they can actually develop these soft skills or power skills? Well, again, I don't mean to be repetitive, but you start by you, you got to figure where you are. You got to get assessment of where yeah. you are. This is also why it's it's valuable to bring in uh, a consultant or a third party because you also need to validate the assessment. Something we talk about in education a lot is triangulation of data. What that means is we're going to look at at least three different data points to confirm 
you know, that, no, this is real. And, yeah. and so, yes, a survey tool, a 360 instrument that is validated and research-based, that's going to be a piece. Uh, another you know, part of the work that I do and others do, you know, we'll come in and we'll do focus groups and you're yeah. just, you know, getting the anecdotal research, um, but you're, you're looking for multiple data points. So you, you figure out where are we? That's the place to start. And also just a paradigm of being willing for people to evaluate you. You know, one of the, the ways um, that leaders build trust is just being transparent and open to their employees to say, okay, Tell me how I'm doing. Yeah. Just by taking that position of, all right, evaluate your boss. Tell me how your boss is doing. And, and, and really giving them that opportunity and listening and then acting upon what they say. Yeah. Ooh, that builds yeah. trust. Really yeah. Fast. And you can do that in different ways, right? And, yeah. and ask, oh, it can be oh, informal. It can be formal. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, back to, to, you know, building the, the relationship. And I want to hear if you have some examples you can share. And I'll, I'll share one example. So what I've done in the past is actually bringing in Lego um, and being from Denmark. You know, I love Lego, but bringing that in to a meeting and saying, hey, now you actually have to build what your job function is. What does it uh, look like? Yeah. And it's so fun to see. How, because you, if you give somebody like a pen and piece of pen and paper, like, oh, you know, then I have to draw this stick man, right? Uh, but but Lego, everybody is, is on the same, right? We have, you have all the blocks and then you can actually build. And it's so funny to see and see the dynamic and people love it, uh, being creative in a different way. Um, so, so that's, that's something I've done. Um, and had success with. So I want to hear if you have any examples you can share. Oh, sure. You know, when we're doing like a professional development training and you bring people up into groups and we'll pull out a big sketch pad and you, know, you grab the concept of, you know, uh, the organization's mission. Well, how would you visually describe that to someone? And, and then they, they, they draw it out. But I think in a step to or, uh, a, a day-to-day working opportunity to build relationship um, is what I call stay interviews. Yeah. So, you know, we all know what an exit interview is, and really it's too late to do us much good other than we are getting some data on why people are leaving. Yeah. Uh, But to intentionally schedule brief stay interviews with every direct report, uh, and I do these about three times a year. So I'll do this at the beginning of, of, well, in the school setting, it would be, you know, the beginning of the school year. In a business setting, it might be the beginning of the fiscal year or the contract year. And you sit down and you've got a job description you're looking at maybe. And, and so, but it's really the purpose is just to see, get it, how are they doing? How are they feeling about what's going on here? I'll use the job description and say, hey, any of this need to change this year? Any of this that you're not doing? Or is there something you're doing that's not on here? Um, and let that be a living document. Let them have voice into what the job looks like and, and give them feedback. And it's totally an open conversation with, with really no agenda. Uh, other than making sure we have clear expectations. Yeah. Because what I will say then, well, you know, let's make sure this is really what, what you're doing, because this is going to turn into an evaluation form by the end of the year, right? Yeah. And then about mid-year, again, in just another 15, 20 minute, no agenda conversation other than how are you doing? How am I doing? What problems can I make sure you know are, are getting solved if I haven't done that already? But you're doing these intentional stay interviews. You know, there's there's an element of trusted leadership that talks about how you need to have the ability to um, be in touch with the undercurrents of the organization. 
And if you're not intentional about this, you can get blindsided so quickly. It's amazing how many leaders don't really know the conversations that are going on amongst yeah. their employees. And you know, to have that what's called situational awareness of the needs of employees. Leaders, we have to do intentional work on that. You've got to maybe plant some moles. And I have a receptionist out at the front desk and literally part of her job, and she knows it, is to listen to the gossip. And she's not being a tattletale. It's more make sure I'm aware yeah. if something's going on. You know, there's parking lot conversations going on that really need to be, you know, something needs to be addressed. People will often complain and complain about something, but not enter the formal channels to get it fixed. Yeah. And so leaders, we have got to have intentional ways to make sure we're staying in touch with, with people. So, the, you know, that's a strategy that I use, uh, those state interviews. And, uh, and I've, seen, I've seen it pay off many, many times. Yeah, that's, that's good. What, what about the, with the pandemic and the whole how we work now, right? There's hybrid, there's remote, there's in-office, there's a mix of everything, depending again, of course, of the industry. So how do you how do you get that awareness of what's actually happening if you suddenly have half of your team is, is remote? Yeah, it, it is it is more challenging, perhaps. I, I don't know, in some ways it's gotten easier and better and faster. You know, I mean, just what we're doing right now, you know, this yeah. is um th this has become norm for connecting and scheduling conversations. Um well to me it's it's an opportunity to extend and demonstrate higher levels of trust. Yeah. So, for example, I was in a conversation with somebody, they were talking about their company was uh, looking at some software that was going to be basically checking on their remote workers, right? And it was going to grab some, you know, pieces of the, the Zoom uh, recording, was going to, could even track, you know, keystrokes. And I'm like, don't go there, don't yeah. go there. You know, and here's, you know, if... If you can't trust your worker to do the work, yeah. then you've hired the wrong person. Yeah. You know, it's stay focused. Okay, what are the expectations? What what's you know, what's the work to be done? Are the benchmarks set? Are clear objectives known? And then get out of the way and let them go do it. I, I shouldn't have to monitor or have uh, accountability uh, structures or software in place if I've hired the right person. Yeah. And unfortunately, so much of what goes on in organizations is we have um, policies and practices in place that are built on systems of distrust. Well, that just creates a negative work environment. People don't stay in those environments. They're not innovative. It's not productive. Yeah. Uh, and so what we found through the research is, no, the higher, the more I extend trust to my employees, the more they trust me and the more productive we all are. Yeah. And, the, the, and, the, and it's cost efficient. It costs less to run an organization where there are high levels of trust. Yeah, and, and I think also, maybe you said it already, but the flexibility as well. I think oh, yeah. if you add that in, uh, it's easier to ask for a favor later, or if you have the passion that you are working on a project and you really have this deadline, everybody will lean in and do it if you have all this trust and this flexibility. And you've got the right team, obviously, with the capacity to do it. They've got the support to do it. They've got the resources. I mean, there are other elements to it that that uh, really are the responsibilities of the leader to ensure that those things are in place. Yeah. And if they are, then let them go. You know, yeah. and uh, you know, delegation is not 
abandonment. You know, it, it's, it's no, you're empowering others to be successful. I really see, you know, the key leadership. So I'm currently a superintendent of school and uh, my job is really a support position to make sure the principals are wildly successful, right? Okay. It's solve their problems or help solve their problems, make sure they're well-resourced, um, you know, be their champion to, to the community. That's, that's really a support position, but really key for uh, successful leaders. Yeah. Um, about communication, again, I want to touch just a little bit, you know, being in the office, right, or being remote, that in the office, you, you can go over, right, if there's something you don't understand fully, right, or you can, you can have that really quick conversation. But now, if you're not in the same area, uh, suddenly... It's, it's like a timestamp, right? If you email and saying, I have this question, or if you text and saying, I have this questions. So do you think that's going to impact how we, we work and how we trust each other? Or is it just a learning curve? I think, I think it's both. And, I, I don't, and maybe not even one or the other. Uh, what I would look at, first of all, is um, probably the, the, what's been referred to as the span of control, or I would say the span of influence. What I mean by that is when you look at your leaders, how many people are they in, in, you know, responsible for supporting? And if, if they, so the, basically what the, what the literature shows us is we begin to lose effectiveness as a, a people manager, if you will, when it gets beyond six to 10 people. So yeah. if you are trying to work and support with more than six to 10 people, your effectiveness and what you're going to produce as a team is just going to get less and less and less. So first I'd look, okay, do we have the capacity, you know, the span of influence to be able to successfully do that, whether it's in person or remotely? If I'm working with a half a dozen people, no, and, and, and they are my priority, no, I should be able to manage my schedule and my communication resources Uh, whether that's online or in person, so that they know how to access me and I know how to access them and, uh, and, and do that well. But if we've placed a leader in a position where, no, they've got 40 direct reports, no, that's just not going to happen virtually. It, it, can't, it can hardly happen. In, you know, I think back, first time I was a high school principal years ago, and you know, this was one of the problems of traditional schools. Yeah, I had 46 direct reports. Yeah, I was set up for failure. There was just no way. Now we we did succeed because we ended up elevating assistant principals, department heads, and empowering them as people managers. But you know, this idea of trying to successfully manage lots of people now nah, it's it's just not possible. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, I want to touch a little bit on your book that you wrote. Um, so. Again, right? It's always when you learn something or you've been in a situation, when you reflect back, you're like, oh, I should have acted this way or, oh, I actually learned this. So now reflecting back on your book that you wrote, what, what kind of learnings have you, have you taken you know, from, from, from the experience you had? What, what kind of learnings did you have? Oh, lots and lots, you know, and, and actually really the book came out of my doctoral work a few years ago. It was like, okay, how do I put this into, you know, encapsulated so it's it's meaningful and, and, and transferable. And there's just so so many elements um, and, and examples that I use in the book, really just from my own experience, as well as the experience of others. Um, you know, I've learned things like uh, in the middle of um, difficult conversations, um, never make a decision in that moment. Yeah. 
be slow. So if I've got an upset employee, my job is to be empathetic as much as possible, even if I may disagree with whatever their, you know, their, their situation may be, but I can still be empathetic and express things like, this must be really hard for you. Ah, this has got to be really challenging. Tell me more. Help me understand. And that's my job in that moment. But yeah. don't, sub, you know, don't submit to the pressure. Well, I need an answer right now. Well, I'm, I'm going to get to an answer. Right now, I, I need information and take that slowly. So, you know, my team knows, yep, they can come in here, they can dump, but I'm not going to make a decision in that moment unless it, you know, it's a safety decision or something, you know. That, yeah. Right. So, you know, that's, that's, that's one of those um those skill sets or tools that I've learned. Another is email is great for information. It's never to be used to solve an issue. I will not engage in a problem via email. In fact, we have built that into the grievance policies of the organizations that I've worked for in the last few years is you may not submit a grievance via email. Now you can document a grievance, but you, the, the, you know, you, you blast me with an email or text. The only response you're going to get is sounds like we need to talk. Yeah. (laughs) Set up a time. I am not going to engage and try to solve the problem or engage. We, We have become ridiculously crazy in this world today with what we will say with our thumbs that would never come out of our mouths if we we're face to face. And so, you know, that, that was, a, that's another skill set uh, and practice that I think I, I, I'm trying, you know, I don't do it perfectly, but I certainly have developed just through my own experience and, and talk about those, those experiences in the book. Yeah. No, I like I like that. I think the taking the time, yeah, to actually to when there is if it's a conflict or if you just have to solve a problem, right? Um, take the time because sometimes yes, right. you need and, that you know, extra because time. problems are complex. There's never two sides yeah. to an issue. There's always seven or eight, <laughs> yeah. and 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 it's just. And I think everybody who's listening probably can think of a time that, oh, yeah, I made a decision too quickly and it burnt me. Uh, take the time. And, and I know, you know, you, customers want answers, right? Your yeah. clientele wants answers. Here in a school setting, parents want answers. Teachers, yes, I get it, but they want a good answer. Yeah. And they want an answer that's going to be sustainable as to you, you know, for, for the future. That usually means you need to go talk to a few other people. You're going to need to get a little bit more information here or there. And then, and then make good decisions. So making decisions slowly, that's, um, that, that's, that's kind of a point. mantra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so looking at yourself like 20 years ago, and now you know a lot, you wrote a book, you know a lot more, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So in answering some questions, <laughs> no. What, what kind of advice would you give yourself if you have to look at yourself 20 years ago? Actually, um, I would just reemphasize good advice that I did receive 20 years ago or or 40 years ago (laughs) uh, was um, always seek out a mentor and mentor others. And I have been blessed throughout uh, the decades with uh, individuals who have poured into me that I've been able to lean on as well. And then in investing in others, you you find that, you grow exponentially to the extent that you're helping others grow. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's that, that classic saying of, you know, who learns more, the student or the teacher? The teacher every time, right? So I would say in my leadership or in others for their leadership, or I'm counseling myself, going back in history is, boy, make sure you're always reaching out and ensuring you've got mentors 
Um, again, that's why I'm a big fan of, you know, personal professional coaches and consultants. Uh, if you don't have executives, you're listening. If you don't have an executive coach, you need one. Even if you think you've got it all now, you need one. Yeah. And, uh, and then you need to be mentoring somebody else as well. Yeah. And so that, that's, I would, I would go there. That, that's a good advice. That's a good advice. And I, I can only also agree with you here, right? Because it is the both way and the whole communication of what's going on is just helping both to become much, much better leaders and, and how to solve problems um, in, your, in your work or actually maybe also in your private life. Um, so if any listeners want to, to reach out to you or, or buy your book, how, how can they find you? Well, LinkedIn is probably the, uh, the fastest place to find me, just Dr. Toby Travis, and you'll find me on LinkedIn and happy to connect with you there. Uh, the book, Trust Ed, The Bridge to School Improvement, is available on Amazon. Actually, we're just getting ready to launch the Spanish version of that will be soon available. It's currently available in print and Kindle, but Spanish is coming soon. And uh, yeah, I'm, if I can be of help or assistance to any of your listeners, happy to, happy to do so. Awesome. And I'll make sure to have both links in the in the show notes and also on the episode page on mindinnovation.com. So easy to get access to it. So Toby, thank you so much. I think this was awesome. I, I love the whole, yeah, you know, it's I think it's back to the the communication, the relationship, right? That's that's where it all starts. Yeah. Um, and we can only improve or we can only learn every day. And you never know what the world is throwing at you. So just be be ready, right? Indeed. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mind Innovation Podcast. New episodes are dropping bi-weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcast. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Santa Vending. You can also find me on YouTube, search for Mind Innovation, or go to my website, sanavending.com or mindinnovation.com. Stay curious, keep learning. <laughs>